I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. Today in the podcast, I've got Marissa Nadler and a quick intro to Pink Floyd, including a survey of the song Echoes that's 23 minutes and 32 seconds in about 3 minutes and 20 seconds. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about our fall fundraiser. Echoes and the Echoes podcast, well, we're not part of some big organization. We don't have a lot of money flowing through. We depend on grants. We depend on people underwriting on the show, and we depend on listener donations. And that's why we are coming to you right now. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to Echoes, you know this music isn't out there everywhere okay there's only a few places that have it and you're listening to one of them right now and we've been doing it for 32 years and we want to keep doing it for a while longer so if you want to keep echoes going if you want to keep the flow of incredible music that we play from electronics to dream pop to world fusion to ambient chamber music and beyond Go to echoes.org right now and become a member of the Echoes Sound Circle. We have all kinds of things you can get depending on what level you come in, but whatever level it is, we appreciate your support and you will appreciate us being able to bring you great music like you hear on Echoes and what you're hearing in the Echoes podcast today, including Pink Floyd and Marissa Nadler. So go to echoes.org. Org, that's E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. Click on the donation tab and you will be taken to the place where you can give us money and make sure that Echoes continues. Okay, we're done with that. And now let's get on with the show as we crack the case of Marissa Nadler. Marissa Nadler is a singer-songwriter who has been recording since 2004. She's released 10 albums on labels and about a dozen self-releases. She's also sung with Mercury Rev, Ben Watt, Lush Life, Ockerville River, and with Simon Raymond of the Cocteau Twins in the band Lost Horizons. She started as something of a folky, but elements of goth, metal, and progressive rock have come into a music that is darkly intimate. Her latest album explores themes of change and escape through mysterious stories. I've been entranced by Marissa Nadler for some time now, and after listening to so many of her albums with her somber singing style, dark lyrics, and moody atmospheres, I dubbed her the diva of the downer. I love it. I think it's really funny, actually. <laughs> it's done with much affection for you and your music. Thanks. Yeah, but you do tend to... Have you written a happy song? It's definitely not big emotion that makes me want to sit down and write songs. In fact, upon listening to her new album, The Path of the Clouds, I was wondering if she should have used a less idyllic title, something like Murder, Suicide, and Death Songs. Well, if I hadn't named my first record Ballads of Living and Dying, I might have considered that. But yeah, there's definitely some dark content, lyrically speaking. 
I'm speaking to Marissa Nadler on Zoom from her home. She's in Nashville now, but lived in Massachusetts until recently. She's dressed in a black shirt, her long, dark brown hair caressing her shoulders as she peers from her darkly liquid eyes. She's a woman who has often deployed her inner turmoil in her music. You know, of course I've had some major ups and downs and depressive tendencies in my life, like everybody else. And I think I definitely use writing as a coping mechanism and a form of journey and escape and fantasy. So yeah, there was some tumult and there still is, and I'm still working it out, to be honest. These songs can be written at any juncture, and sometimes it isn't it's clear cut what they mean. Take the song, If I Could Breathe Underwater. Well, the song's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I mean, I was going through possessing various superpowers, uh, superhuman powers as a writing device to go back in time and change things, predict things. Okay, so I read all that stuff about underwater. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a metaphor for you escaping romantic problems. Well, I think it's a pretty <laughs> astute observation. On the surface, many of these tracks are ballads telling tales like the opening song, Bessie, Did You Make It? It's a true story about two people, Glenn and Bessie Hyde, and they disappeared on the Grand Canyon and were never seen again. I was just riveted by the concept that this woman claimed to be Bessie 50 years later, and it just was wild. Um, the song is pretty much true to the story, and it also reminded me a bit of the Russian Revolution with Anastasia, the woman that claimed to be the lost daughter that was never recovered. I'm just kind of fascinated by stuff like this and I really enjoyed writing this song and imagining what happened to her, Bessie. But knowing how revealing Nadler's songs can be, I wonder if she could also be thinking about her own escape or her identity. I think in some ways, writing the story songs, it's a completely different mindset. Instead of saying how you feel, the story does it for you through the details that you choose to reveal. It's very fun for me to write these kinds of songs. Um, they're very personal, but it's also just freeing to write in the point of view of different characters and different narrators, get in the mindset to feel different things and see different places outside of my own small life. Did you make it? Did you make it? Did you make it on your own? Or did you fake it? Fake it? Leave someone else's bones. 
You might be wondering where Marissa Nadler is getting some of these ideas. Well, in her case, she spent the pandemic binging on TV shows like Unsolved Mysteries. In March of 1950, in the town of Beatrice, Nebraska, an explosion blew apart a small church. Twelve devoted choir members were spared from certain death by an amazing chain of events which today remain an unsolved mystery. I've been watching it since I was a kid, really. Um, that Dateline and Law and Order. I love a lot of TV and movies of different genres, but I do happen to really love true crime and mysteries. And I think it's just because it's interesting, especially if you haven't left the house in two years. It's fun to travel through space and time, do these stories, live these stories. The title track, The Path of the Clouds, is one of the stories she got from the show. It's about D.B. Cooper, who hijacked a Boeing 727 jet in 1971, extorted $200,000, and then parachuted from the plane, never to be heard from again. But she doesn't relate the story as you might in a song like John Barleycorn or Hey Joe. Nadler's take is more poetic and could be interpreted in different ways. I interpreted the song as a suicide tale. The Path of the Clouds, the song that is, is pretty much directly inspired by him. So it's, it's in the point of view of D.B. Cooper saying, do you wish to pay the ransom, get the plane refueled? I don't want any delays, then you flew straight out of the aeroplane. He also, it's, well, it's not really clear if he survived, but they did find his parachute and they found some of the money. I just find that story and the whole concept of starting over in these great escapes to be very interesting, especially when life gets hard and it's just fun to think about. Unsolved Mysteries original host Robert Stack in the song From Vapor to Stardust. The feel of the song is of a very bad breakup or someone who's been institutionalized. It's definitely one of the more personal songs on the record and more confessional in terms of the lyrics being pretty straightforward. It's true I still have a storage locker and all that and it's not easy for me to talk about some of these songs which is why I write them. I really do love the melody on this song, and I like, like, it's almost the falling rain of falling emotions, and yeah, it's interesting that you've read all this interesting stuff into these songs, because you're one of the first people I've talked to about the record, so, hmm.
Marissa Nadler's The Path of the Clouds continues the heavier sound she's been moving towards since her Strangers album in 2016. Although she was born in 1981, her influences come from an earlier time. Although I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I mostly listened to music from the 60s and 70s exclusively growing up, like prog rock, a lot of it, a lot of Pink Floyd. You can definitely hear that in my records, I think. Uh, my brother used to show me covers of Yes records and try to get me to write fan fiction and that beautiful artwork. I point out a painting by Yes cover artist Roger Dean on the wall behind me. Yeah, his stuff is so beautiful. Some of my earliest memories learning how to write was Stuart being like, look at this cover, what do you see? He definitely got my imagination off to a good start, you know? Seasons change the color And the lemon queen it Taller and taller On Unsolved Mysteries, they don't actually solve the mysteries, they tantalize you with the possibilities. It's that between worlds feeling that seems to attract Marissa Nadler, like her song, Sometimes You Just Can't Stay. It's about an escape from Alcatraz Island prison. Well, it's another one of the mysteries that I touched upon are not solved. Like, they don't really know if those guys made it to shore, and they don't know if D.B. Cooper survived. They don't know if Bessie survived. And that's kind of what I was saying. My life is still in a little bit of a juncture, whatever you want to call it. And well, I'm captivated with the concept of the what if in these stories, just how they all went to great lengths to escape. And in the Alcatraz song, well, it was originally called Give Up the Ghost. Now it's called Sometimes You Just Can't Stay. And they painted up the dummy and they used a concertina to inflate the rafts. It's a crazy story, kind of like this record. It's a survival record. And these are some of those unsolved mysteries inspired songs are really just survival songs about characters that like leave it up to our imaginations whether they persevered or not. Survival record, I like that. Marissa Nadler's The Path of the Clouds is another recording unveiling her interior life, even if she's employing other people's stories to do it. Music is part of the way she works things out. I get some meditation from it. It brings me joy. Well, it's like my constant companion, my lifelong devotion to my art, and helps me figure things out after I've written the songs. You can try and solve the mystery of Marissa Nadler on her latest album, The Path of the Clouds, on Sacred Bones Records. On the posting for this podcast, I've got a link to Marissa Nadler's The Path of the Clouds. You'll find it at echoes.org. 
You heard Marissa Nadler mention that she is a fan of Pink Floyd and considers them a big influence on her music. Well, this week is the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's Metal, the album that contains their track Echoes, for which the Echoes podcast and the Echoes radio show is named. We celebrated it this week on the show with music from the album as well as covers. It was two hours of Pink Floyd Metal Bliss. Here's a brief intro to the band and... 23 minutes and 30 seconds of echoes in, 3 minutes and 20 seconds. Today we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's album Metal and its signature track, Echoes. Here's a quick intro to Pink Floyd and the lead-up to that album, Things That Happened Before, Dark Side of the Moon. Pink Floyd members got together in 1964 under different names and with different members, but by the time they became the Pink Floyd sound, they were guitarist and singer Sid Barrett, bassist Roger Waters, drummer Nick Mason, and keyboardist Rick Wright. They were pretty much an R&B cover band sounding like kind of second-rate Rolling Stones. Well, I'm a king bee Buzzing around your but then Sid Barrett started writing his own original music, steering a course into early psychedelic pop with songs like Arnold Lane and See Emily Play. There is no other day. Let's try it another way. You'll lose your mind and play. Sadly, after the 1967 debut, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, Sid Barrett became one of rock's most infamous acid casualties. A disciple of LSD, he overindulged and had a slow-moving psychotic breakdown. He is memorialized on the Pink Floyd album, Shine On, You Crazy Diamond. By the time of their second recording, A Saucer Full of Secrets, he was out and guitarist David Gilmore's in, and the direction became much more experimental. The band were darlings of the psychedelic underground and began doing soundtracks for films like Moore and Zabriskie Point. They also began honing a more coherent sound. Their 1970 album, Adam Hart Mother, used a full-blown orchestra, and the sidelong title track was co-composed with avant-garde artist Ron Geeson. That album went to number one in the UK, and the stage was set for the next recording, Metal. On their way, the band was still experimenting. They had sessions where they used kitchen implements for the abandoned project called Household Objects. They actually proposed doing the entire metal album with household tools. Thankfully, that didn't work out. They also created 24 pieces from jam sessions called Nothings. Some of these nothings would coalesce into the piece The Return of the Son of Nothing, and that became Echoes. 
Echoes is the signature work of metal, 23 minutes, 31 seconds duration. It's one of their longest tracks. It opens with a note from Rick Wright's piano spun through a Leslie speaker to create the iconic sonar ping that opens the track. Echoes moves seamlessly from reflective ruminations with Gilmore playing slide guitar to a surprising pastoral lyric sequence sung by both Gilmore and Rick Wright. Then into the heroic anthemic movement. That gives way to kind of a funky jamming groove that features some of Gilmore's best guitar playing. And that's followed by the Space Out movement. Wind noises settle the mood as Gilmore generates whale cries, which he got by plugging his guitar in backwards to his wah-wah pedal. Finally, the sonar ping returns to a slowly accelerating movement that explodes in a kaleidoscope of multiple Gilmore guitar lines and waters snarling buzzed out bass slide. Oh my god, it doesn't get more ecstatic than that. Except for the track, one of these days, the rest of metal is kind of dispensable and we really won't talk much about the song Seamus that ends side one with Steve Marriott's dog singing the lead vocal. Pink Floyd's Metal released 50 years ago in October. Wikipedia has it released on the 31st, but that was a Sunday in 1971. Other sources cite the 30th, but that was a Saturday, of course. However, none of that's really important. Pink Floyd's metal, and especially the song Echoes, are timeless. Echoes, what an extraordinary track. I got to see them play live back in 1971. Keep your eye out for Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets. They're going to be touring soon, and they will be playing all of Echoes. I'm John DiLibretto. I'll be taking a week off, but in the following week, I've got an interview with Rena Jones, an amazing electronic musician who also plays cello and violin. This has been the Echoes Podcast from PRX. See you next week, tonight on the radio, somewhere in the country, or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.